This week, we take time to reflect on and send love to Caroline Flax, family and loved ones. This utterly devastating news has rocked us all. Prayers and love and so much kindness needed. If you have been hit hard by the news, as of course many people have, remember there's always someone to reach out to. You can text or call the Samaritans on 116-123. Okay, now it's time for the show, which we recorded earlier on in the week. Happy Monday to you. This is Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and, well, this feels like a real treat. Today we're off to meet former England footballer Rio Ferdinand and his amazing wife, Kate. I just thought, I'm nice, it's going to be okay, I'll manage it and I'll get through everything. I didn't really think of the dynamics that go with, with it, even moving in this house showering and the kids knocking the door and you've got no clothes on just mad stuff that I didn't even think about I think it's only when I moved in and I thought wow this is hard there's a lot there's a lot to think about now there's lots to unpack in this episode but then you don't subscribe to hear easy conversations do you we'll be on our way to meet the Ferdinands shortly hey it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And now, here's the show. My son came home from school the other day, having had an author read in their class a new book, which is all about a witch and an evil stepmom, which I was kind of shocked about because to me, the whole kids fiction thing with evil stepmoms is a really archaic notion. It's it, that was back in you know the olden days, ye olden days. And I don't think it's a relevant story today. And I think we need to change that story. I'm a stepmom. I've been one for nine years. And I don't think I'm evil in any sense. I've tried my best. I try and be a fair and and good stepmom as well as mum. And uh, it just kind of riled me a bit. It made me feel a little bit sad and angry. So I'm off to meet someone today who is also a stepmom who is helping to change, with the help of her brilliant husband, the story around step parenting and what it means to be in a blended family. Although I kind of hate that phrase, they're just a family. Um, Rio and Kate Ferdinand, they made a documentary recently all about step parenting. Uh, because when Kate met Rio, he already had three children and she took on uh, family grief they were experiencing due to the loss of the children's mother, um, as well as a brand new role of being a parent for the first time. The documentary was stunning. I loved it. I cried and 
felt deeply connected to what they were talking about and I can't wait to chat with them about it a bit more today. Rio and Kate, thank you so much for welcoming me into your beautiful home. Thank you. Thank nice you. to see you. Nice to see you. Um, I just loved your documentary so much for so many reasons. One being I don't think step parenting is really talked about much at all. I've certainly not seen much about it on TV or heard much about it on the radio or whatever. And I think the way that you talked about it was so refreshing as well. Why was it important for you to to make this show and to talk about that subject thoroughly? I think from doing the uh, the first documentary I've done about grief, the response uh, from the general public was amazing. It wasn't just like the, uh, the normal football fan that I'd been used to obviously coming up to me in, in Sainsbury's Rio about your team or result. It was Beryl or... It was Beryl or a Bert. Sorry, I'm banging my hand. Yeah, it was Beryl or Bert, or it was just an older generation, some younger, just people that just wasn't from the normal, uh, like the fan base that I'd normally received any type of conversation or adulation from. And people coming up, big grown men, burly up, burly, burly men in tears saying, you've made it okay for me to speak or to open up or to even cry and feel vulnerable just through watching your documentary. So... When we got to a point we were speaking to the guys at BBC about something totally different, this came into the conversation with us and we both just said, you know what, it feels right. And at that time, we were we were in a, quite a, a bad place in terms of relationships and understanding our complete situation. And because of thinking back and me and Kate spoke a lot, obviously, about the previous one and how therapeutic that process of making the last documentary was, we felt this could probably have the same effect if done right. Wow. And so we would gain something from it. The children would gain something from, from it, but also the wider general public would as well. So it was a win-win, it felt, in, in all areas if we were to do it right and if we approached it the right way. But that takes a, a tremendous amount of courage because to know that you felt like you weren't in the best sort of shape relationship-wise and with your dynamic, to step into a place of exposing that, you must have felt quite vulnerable at the start of that super vulnerable I was in quite a state when we were filming I just struggled with it so much I felt like I was all over the place wasn't I but at the same time we needed help Mm. and we were stuck in this sort of place where if we don't ask for help where's our relationship going to be at then and you know the children can't go through seeing another woman leave so we sort of we had to and going through that process has been unbelievable it's been a journey it's been tough um but we're where we are now, aren't we? Mm. We've learned a lot. I think just meeting people, that was the best bit for us. It was unbelievable. We mm. met loads of people, like the children at Child Bereavement. They gave us advice for like, they were sort of the voices of our children. Yeah. And then we could understand how our children were feeling and come home and be better parents. It, it was amazing. It was a very, very powerful poignant moment I thought of the documentary um, for you and the kids to have other people to talk with about this subject? Were they the first people that you'd sort of come across that had any connection to to grief and step-parenting in that way? For me, yeah, I think Rio's met people before, but I always felt really isolated and really alone and that I had no one to relate to. I didn't, you know, you can't go and talk to your friend. I did say this in the documentary and say, what do you do when the tears crying or one of the boys are crying? No one really knows what to say. Mm. And we learned quite a lot. 
I did especially, I would normally say to Tia, it's okay, don't worry. Whereas when we were at the counselling, child bereavement, I saw that you just, they didn't really say anything and you just got to let them cry and be with them. So we learned so much on the day, didn't we? And it was the first people that I met that were in a similar situation. I think we cried a lot of the way home, didn't we? Yeah, because it it's heartbreaking when you're sitting there and it's such a, a reverse of roles where you're going into a situation where children are going to teach you. Yeah. Whenever in life are you ever sitting there doing that or, or going into a scenario like that, it doesn't happen. So for us to be going in there, it's quite surreal where you're sitting there and these young, eloquent, intelligent children have got like gems are just thrown at us that we can sit, we're sitting there almost twitching like I want to say to Kate now, that is, we're using that definitely. That's yeah. unbelievable. We've got to use that. That reminds me of Tia. That reminds me of Tate Lorenz. So we were both sitting there. We we're in tears. Everyone was crying in there. Everyone had a go of crying. It was just, it was amazing to see and that these kids were obviously at different stages, like some were nine years down the line or four years down. We were real, we were like a couple of years down the line. So, but we could actually see through them where our children could get to give it with, with hard work, with the right advice. And so it was a, it was really a massive moment for us. And like you say, it's very important to let them have those moments of grief or confusion and let it play out. And Kate, like you're saying there, you, you know, your instinct as a parent is to go, it's okay, or to comfort them and to try and stop that from happening. But but actually in the documentary, we saw that, you know, I guess for the kids and for you to have that space to let those feelings come out is just so important. I think that's something I struggled with as well, because... As a parent, you sort of want to fix everything. Mm. The kid falls over, you want to, you go and get a plaster. If a child's crying because their mum and their nan aren't here, you can't fix that. And at the beginning, I just did not know what to do. Um, but you've just got to be with them. That's what I, f- I figured out from the Child Bereavement UK. Just be there. You don't even have to speak. Just cuddle them and be there with them for that moment. Mm. And the moment will pass. And then they'll feel okay again. And then it might come back. And you just got to be there rather than saying things like, are you okay? You're going to be okay, because they don't feel okay. The children, well, Kate will go in the bedroom with one of the kids and they've been a bit emotional and she will console them, etc., and stay there, then come out. Then two minutes later, we're in the bedroom talking about it. What, what happened? What did she say, etc.? And you can hear one of them laughing their heads off now playing. <laughs> so they, they flit in and out of that yeah. so quickly, but they leave you almost traumatised and th- thinking, how do I... That question, so many questions, and you're still in a state of like, wow... But they're just flying off or doing their own thing again. It's just so crazy how quick it can change their emotions. Parenting is bonkers, though, isn't it? It's just the most bizarre thing. And step parenting has so many other layers to it as well. I'm, I've been a, par- a step parent for about nine years now. And like you, Kate, I'm imagining that um, I kind of stepped into the role naively and not really understanding what it would entail what were your preconceptions of step parenting how did you kind of walk into it and what did you think it would it would mean honestly I always used to say if a man's got children I'm never going to go there that was my number one line and a couple of my friends have got stepchildren I'd be like I couldn't do that I couldn't do that and then all of a sudden I found myself here with three stepchildren I think wow that's that's a big turnaround I didn't really like you naively think too much about it Mm. I just thought I'm nice it's gonna be okay I'll manage it and I get through everything I didn't really think of the dynamics that go with with it even moving in this house showering and the kids knocking the door and you've got no clothes on just mad stuff that I didn't even think about I think it's only when I moved in and I thought wow this is hard there's a lot there's a lot to think about 
different areas that people don't even see. Um, it was tough, wasn't it? I think discipline's a huge one because yeah. in each household, discipline's diff- different. And we used to have loads <laughs> of conversations about how, how far can I go? How how loud can I should I shout or how firm should I be? Like if so many, and there ain't really a dial on the wall that you just say that's go at number six and that'll be fine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's so much trial and error that and you're you're scared of getting stuff wrong. You never want to get it wrong because you're a perfectionist in that sense. Yeah, and I also think it's more you as a family had your own way of doing things, and I grew up with this way that I thought I would be a parent and that I would do. And one of the main ones is Rio allowed the children to play football in the house. And from when I was in, yes, <laughs> from in when this I, beautiful, gorgeous house with gorgeous stuff everywhere. Exactly my point. Um, but when I was a kid, I was never allowed to play the ball in the house, and that is something that just I said, Ria, I can't cope with this. And he said, But this is what we do, and there sort of had to be a, a thing that now's the new thing that we do. But that was hard. It was hard, wasn't it? Football played in the house for about a year. And then one day I said, guys, I can't cope with this anymore. And we have to find a new happy medium. Navigating that that is tough. That is tough. Like, I think establishing your own rules, like you say, and also working out what those levels of discipline are is so tricky. I've definitely struggled with that. I still do now, you know, nearly a decade in. I still kind of feel bad, like the kids are going to judge me if I say, like usually, my stepson's 18, so you can imagine it's clothes all over the floor and pants in the bath and dirty towels everywhere and I'm really neat and tidy so it, it does my head in and Kate's laughing there's some <laughs> I'm similarities a freak. <laughs> okay and I find that one tricky I, I still don't think I've necessarily found what that balance is some days I feel like I have and then other days I, I overthink everything and, and worry about it it's a really tough one how, how have you helped Kate sort of relax into that role and and feel okay about speaking her mind to the to the kids I think after loads of conversations, I think it's just knowing what's right and what the kids need. Um, these kids were used to stability. They were used to discipline um, from their mum. And so there's a mother figure in the house now. So she has to be that as well. And I think that, and again, it's down to the, individ- the, the, the individual family as well. These kids respond better to discipline, to mm. boundaries. Um, that's how our kids are. And so... With that in mind, I was very comfortable in saying to Kate, if, if I'm not here, you've got, to, you've got to run the house. You're the person who's got to take control and they've got to see you as someone who they, they trust, but also who they understand they've got to be respectful to and they've got to listen to at the right times. When there's something needs to be done, you say it, they've got to do it. And I just had to be there as almost, I just let Kate speak and do what she felt was right and back her up and reinforce her listen it didn't happen immediately like that because there were some times where Kate would say something and I didn't agree and I'd say it in front of the kids and obviously that's not right because they're seeing there's there's a a bit of a friction there there's one on one side one on the other Mm. and then they'll try and play us against each other which is normal for kids to do but it makes it difficult, especially in our situation. We've had that exact thing happen and it, and it's never, even, you know, with my biological children, me and my husband will have those moments and it's just confusing for everyone, for you, for the parents, for the kids. It's it's really hard to to be on different sides of the team, I guess. Yeah, you, you got, and that's why we go, we go, you go to bed at night and we said it in the uh, documentary, we have a debrief, probably most 99% of nights after the kids are asleep, we're having a debrief talk. And it's all, it, that was a big point when it just 
say it after they've gone to bed. Yeah. If you've got a problem with it, come up let's speak about it later when they've gone to sleep. So sometimes you've got to bite your tongue. It's difficult, the situation, but mm. it's life. And how did you find it, Kate, sort of establishing a relationship with the kids when you when you moved into the house and you, you know, kind of entered this relationship f- for, for the long run? I think that before I moved into the house... I, I thought it was a lot easier than what it was because I'd see the kids just here and there. So I'd formed a little bit of a relationship and a bond with them, but that completely changed when I moved in mm. because I wasn't disciplining them before. And, you know, I am like you, a clean freak. Everything's got to be in its place. And when a man is in, living in the house, it's not quite the same. Um, <laughs> little bit messier. So um, it was hard. It's hard to discipline the children. And I did feel like I was just going on and on and on constantly I still do but I think now the children understand and know me so they know the limit whereas before they probably thought this woman's coming in and we know her but we're not going to be told what to do because dad lets us get away with that dad lets us get away with leaving our towels on the floor and our pants on the floor and you know so they were they were resistant Mm. and it was really difficult and I really did struggle with that because if Rhea was at work I just felt like I was going mad and I can't ring Rhea at work every two minutes to say the kids aren't listening the kids aren't listening um it took a while. They probably hated me for a good year, but we're in a good place now. They know yeah. my limits. I know their limits. We we know each other so much better that it works. But isn't it funny? Because you do feel, I mean, I certainly felt judged by the kids when I, you know, first started having them stay in our house. And, and it was, you know, there was a real sort of system to how things worked. And I, and I did sort of start um, putting my rules down and, I'm sure that the the kids haven't judged you and my stepkids haven't judged me at all, but you feel it at the time. And that's a tricky one. I remember my stepdaughter having this like new t-shirt with sequins on when she was really tiny and I shrunk it in the wash. And I, I was panicked. I was inconsolable. I went around to every H&M in London to find the identical top in her size because I thought she was going to hate me forever. I don't think she even noticed when I replaced it or that that had even happened. And I would never bother doing that with my biological kids now. I just think, oh, I'll just put it in the bin or whatever. But I was so panicked about that judgment. Did you feel like that? Exactly that. And I think I especially put so much pressure on myself I was just thinking the kids have been through so much. Their mum is so amazing. I've got to get this right. But doing that, I just added more and more pressure. And the more pressure, the more sort of things you do get wrong, really. Um, I felt really judged, but I think that's internally. I don't, like you said, I don't think they were really judging me. Um, It was difficult. I I still do sometimes put too much pressure on myself. I really just want it to Mm. be great and perfect. But then I end up getting in a state Mm. when it's not and going like cuckoo, don't I? And it's easier for, for me, probably, like, like your husband, it's probably easier because they're biologically yours. And so you guys see yourself at a disadvantage. But I just think it's a lot like a school teacher. When you're at school, the teacher's really hard on you. They want you to do well. They really You hate that teacher for all the years. And all of a sudden, when you get to 20, 23, 24, you look back and think, you know what? I respect that teacher. Mm. I appreciate what he's done there. Mm. And I think this is a very similar situation. And when they get older, they'll be very appreciative that is something that me and my husband do talk about a lot, you know, looking down the line at the relationship you are establishing for when they're adults. And I do think, like you say, of course, there's going to be tough times and it's going to be messy, chaotic, or you'll do things wrong. Like that's a given for any of us. But I think if you look down the line, you are creating a, a beautiful opportunity to have an amazing relationship when they're adults. And you do have to kind of keep that in mind, weirdly, I think. 
Yeah. We always think about that, don't we? Yeah, definitely. How it's going to be when they're yeah. older, what our relationships are going to be. Are we going to be this close? We're always thinking about that. And I do think, like, telling them to tidy up their room and all this, it's that needs to be installed in them because it's something they're going to need for work, for, for everything they do in later life. So although they can't stand it, you just got to think of how it's going to help them when they're older. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And you, even we do it with a lot of humour, like... And we try and give them like examples of when they were really young and their mum was here. When you done that, what did your mum say? And if they don't remember, we remind them, mm. you know what I mean? Because she was hard on them. So it was very much making them understand that this would have been even probably worse if your mum was actually here. Mm. So, and it, when they see it like that from, that, from that perspective, they sit and laugh and they smile about it, don't they? So it is, it's good. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It was lovely in the documentary that um, you seem to sort of have an ongoing dialogue with Rebecca, and obviously, you've got lots of pictures of her in, in the kids' special room. and and there's an open dialogue where you talk about her a lot. Has that really helped you to kind of establish your place in the family, to, to create that bond with the children? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the kids, it's their mum, isn't it? Rebecca is their mum, and she has to be present in their lives forever. At the beginning, I struggled with it because I didn't know anything about Rebecca. So I try and get involved in the conversations that were happening, but I really struggled because I couldn't really have any input. Whereas now... You know, I know loads of stories. I say in the documentary, sometimes I think I know more than the kids because Rio tells me stuff. Rebecca's friends tell me stuff. And I just think it is so important for Rebecca's memory to always be here and alive in our house. It's weird. She's like, it's like she's here on the journey next to us in like a parallel sort of place. That's what I feel like anyway. You all, she, like Kate always says, do you think she'd be happy with that? Like in the nighttime, if we're in a debrief. She'd be going like, do you, do you think she would be happy with that, wouldn't she? And I'm like, that's pressure again yeah. that she puts on herself, which is, I understand it, but I'm just confident like that you're doing a great job. Like, And I try and tell Kate that as much as possible. And again, it's looking like in a few years' time when the kids are older and more mature, you'll see it. The benefits will be then because how they'll be with you. Mm, I think that's so amazing. And I felt like I sort of... To bring up Rebecca's children, I had to know about Rebecca. So I'd find myself asking Rio bizarre questions. And sometimes I think you'd think, yeah. why do you want to know that? Mm. But I need to know how what she would do. Not that I need to be her, but I want to bring up her kids in a way that she'd be happy with. And something that they've always been used to. Their mum was strict. Luckily, I'm quite strict as well. But I found myself asking mad questions and Rio just look at me like, do you really want to know the answer to that? But I need to, I think, to be able to bring up the kids in a way that I feel's right. And that takes a lot of strength. Yeah. And that takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength to be able to do that and, you know, find um, a lot of acceptance around it, I guess, and to be curious in that way because you've got such good intent around the kids. I think that takes a lot of strength. I think it's amazing. Thank you. We saw you navigate lots of change in the home, which, again, was really important to you, Kate, and understandably you wanted to establish your place in the family and to feel at home here and it seemed like you had such an amazing flow of conversation and a communication between you both as to how you might navigate that and how you might tell the children how, how did that play out we saw a snapshot of it in the documentary how how tricky was it to find the courage to 
to voice your opinion on it and, and how tricky was it to, to then communicate that to the kids? I mean, that was hard. I feel like I just felt selfish for having these feelings because the children have lost their mum and their nan and how could I want to take down any photo when they've been through so much? So I blocked that out for quite a, t- a while. I mentioned it to Rio here and there, but not really with much passion or anything like that. And I think it got to one day and I just I just couldn't cope mm. because I, I did feel like I was in an out, out-of-body experience. I was sort of living someone else's life. Um, and I just said to Rhea one day, I'm struggling, but I don't know what to do. I'm not saying we need to take these photos down, but I just need you to know this is hard and I'm struggling to cope, but I don't know what the right answer is. And I think we spoke like this for quite a while, months and months and months And then one day I think we spoke to the school counsellor and some therapists and I just had an idea to maybe create a special room for mum and nan and they said that was an amazing idea. And basically what we've done is we all got a photo from the house, including me, of Rebecca or of Nanny, put them in new frames and done it together and it it felt really special. And again, I guess it's so important to, when you're having those feelings, which are you know, they're big feelings and they're not going to go away to express them rather than to suppress them and then have resentment down the line. Because that's what we all end up doing when we don't, you know, voice how we feel. It's important. I think I did suppress them for a while and I did resent Rio and I felt like he didn't understand. Um, And it's something I struggled with. You know, if I invited my friends around the house, they'd look at the wall like, okay, really? And I thought it was something I had to deal with every day. And maybe, you know, if a plumber comes in they'd look at the wall they might not even be thinking anything but I am so worried and conscious of it that Mm. I think oh my god everyone's thinking that I shouldn't be here everyone's thinking that I shouldn't be here so I think when it did come out it was an emotional like you were quite shocked I think actually yeah And, and I think as well a lot of it is what you start worrying what everyone else is thinking in your network of friends and family when people come what about when they come through what we what one they're not gonna like it but really, it's about us five. If we're happy with it, everyone else step in line and deal with it. If you can't, don't come through the front door. Mm. And that's, that's where we got to that point in the end. And what reinforces that is that the kids, their excitement in doing it, their excitement in finding what picture, picking a certain picture, what frame, where's my one going to go? And that reinforced actually that this is the right idea, this is the right time. And if, we, if it ever comes up in conversation now, they're all... Buzzing. That, they spend most of their time in that room, mm. whether it's homework, TV, computer, or mates come around. They're in there. Do you know what I mean? So they they're not sitting there going, "I need to go to a certain place round that little nooks and crannies round there." We've just bolted a room round there that they can look at the pictures. This is a prominent live room, so mm. it's good. It's a beautiful idea, and like you say, you've had to. Uh, mitigate so much outside noise I mean we all have to to some extent in life and and I had it on a smaller scale entering a relationship where there were kids involved already but but when you're also dealing with grief and a lot of other people grieving as well as you you had so much outside noise from friends and relatives when you got together how did you work through that you know I'm sure there were times where it felt too much how did you push through to be where you're at today Persistence. Yeah. The easiest thing would have been to give up, really. It was harder to continue through it, but I think the children, we loved each other. Love, really. Mm. I put a post up last night saying it is just love. When you, love is so strong that it makes you get through it. Um, And the kids, 
We cared about the kids. We knew that this was right. We just had to get through it. It's about showing every or making other people see what we see within our household. Mm. So the sooner that they we, they could break down their barriers, which is understandable, there's grief and all that emotion that goes just going on given the circumstances. But once we was always confident that once these people got beyond that and could see it for what it is, which is just love, two people in love, five of us happily living together, loving each other, and these kids deserve to be happy and smile at this time in time in their life then people will start to understand and actually respect it and appreciate it and actually back it. And so it took a hell of a lot longer than we would have wanted. But again, we have to be mindful of other people's feelings and, and the way they've dealt with grief as well. Mm. Well, you had a really frank conversation with your dad in the documentary because there was mm. some resistance initially when you first met Cakes. So I guess, you know, he felt it was it was early on and is this right and is this right for the children and and i guess again it just came down to you communicating very honestly with him yeah and and communication in between me and my dad hasn't been a great thing over the years it just wasn't part of our relationship we weren't great at talking um so i think the help of kate because kate's very open in terms of communication if she thinks something and she says it and gets it off her chest really really quickly and that kind of was something that's good that's rubbed off on me now. And I feel like I see situations now and I'd rather just get it out of the way, talk about it, because you are, in the end, going to feel better. Mm. And that was the case with my dad. It took a couple of times, two, three times, to have good conversations with him. Um, but now I, I can't fault him. He's, 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 he's understood how I want it to be, how our house works and how the relationship will grow if he acts a certain way. And you said this, it was quite good after the documentary aired, it was that, my dad's really a, a, quite a good representation of everyone in our network because most people probably found it difficult at one at a point and he was kind of speaking probably on behalf of all of them. Mm. And do you, I don't want to generalise, but do you think, you know, it, we know that there's a disparity between how men and women communicate and how they talk about their feelings. Do you think with your relationship with your dad, it is just a case of two men not communicating about what's really going on? I just think when I met you, you just did not communicate. And that's something I've really struggled with. And I think quite a lot of your family were like that. Um, you just didn't speak about what you felt, but you could tell that you were harboring thoughts. Mm. And it's when I come along, God be old me, and started saying everything that I think, <laughs> oh my God, why are we doing this? Why are we doing I think everyone was like, wow, she's got a lot of opinions, but I prefer to get it out. And I think we started talking and then all of a sudden you realise that you should talk more. I've been carrying around all these feelings about people and I know you're not happy about this and I know you're not agreeing with that and I was just carrying it around. And once I'd say it, every time I'd gone into a situation and spoke, I just felt like a feather just flying about in the air. Mm. That actually this is a much better feeling, my conscience is clearer and the situation became more positive, better, easier to deal with. And so I, I just kind of started applying that to all the relationships that I felt were worthy of of trying to make strides forward. Because we worked together just before Christmas and, and you were so um, brilliant with talking to certain members of the audience who were struggling their own way, perhaps with grief or their mental health. And, and you were kind of admitting that, you know, this was new for you talking about feelings. And before you experienced grief, you know, you would just, when you were playing football, you weren't necessarily um, interested in how the other players were feeling or what was going on. But but experiencing what you've been through has, has opened up something for you and allowed you to, to sort of understand others in a, in a different way. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's communication is probably the buzzword I took out of this, doing this documentary in that if the more you communicate, the more you talk, the easier your relationships and the more the more open your relationships will be. So less problems down the line. Yeah, there are going to be bumps and stuff, but as long as you're open and aware about each other's feelings, then there's boundaries in place, etc. So it has been a lot easier once there's been communication. And yeah, like Kay said, I, and you said, I was very hardened before, very like, almost like that machoism. You can't talk, I won't speak, I won't show no vulnerability, I won't allow myself to open up to anybody because they'll see that as a weakness. Whereas now, I don't really... I don't think like that now. I just feel that being emotional or vulnerable is just as part of life. Mm. And it enables you to make strides forward. It may enables you to, for people to then open up to you as well. So you understand how other people are feeling. Do you know what I mean? So, and there are members of my family or friends that I feel I get more out of now because I've made that first step. It's interesting, isn't it? As soon as you start talking honestly, other people then want to engage with you on that level and they might have not ever done that before but it unlocks something with them in them and they also want to share how they're feeling and and be honest and that's a wonderful breakthrough moment I think unbelievable I feel like until you communicate you're so engrossed in how you're feeling you forget about everyone else's feelings you just don't really think about how they're feeling do you and you as soon as you start communicating, you can build your relationship because you might be upsetting people without even realising you are. And that will continue and continue and continue until you have that open open conversation. So I think mm. communication is key in our household, isn't it? And, now, and outside yeah, of it. Yeah, definitely. And I now sit here and I'm, if I'm speaking to certain people on issues I'm, and it comes out that they've been holding certain feelings for a while and just I didn't want to say it, didn't, I didn't want to... It really riles me now. Yeah. And I get so frustrated now. Just say it. Just mm. speak to me. I'm not going to bite your head off. I'm not going to, you're not going to lose a relationship over it. But just discuss it and move forward. That's all it has to be because you've been acting like that for all that time and it was just a conversation that would have sorted it. Mm. Is it it's a very sort of British thing, isn't it? To like hold back <laughs> what we really want to say because we, we feel like we're treading on eggshells. We don't want to upset anyone. But actually, it does so much more damage by not speaking. And like you say, I think. You said something so important there about boundaries, like establishing boundaries and saying, I'm cool with this, but I'm not okay with that really early on. So things don't turn into resentment, but we find it so awkward to do it. It's weird. I don't. <laughs> Kate, don't. But you know what? It's weird. Well, I have spoke about, we, it feels like we're battering my dad a little bit, but we're not. But, but my dad is a perfect example. My dad had a period of time where he had a key to the house and he'd come in, let himself in, as and when. I, I mean, how are you guys, how are you doing? And that was fine for that period of time. But obviously Kate came, and obviously rules in the house change. And it's you can't just walk in. Kate could be walking around in her underwear, or just done her hair, just got out of bath, whatever. And again, it's our house now, and so it's changed a little bit. And to, to explain that to my dad, mm. quite a difficult thing. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Dad, take, give me the key back, please. Oh, I think like your dad had been there for you through so much. Yeah, he'd been here, and all of your family. You know, they they were just here for you when you needed Which I them, needed, yeah. Yeah. and you needed that at that time in your life. So for me to come in and all of a sudden everyone's letting themselves in the house, and I thought, oh, the kids aren't here. I'm roaming around in my underwear, and Julian walks in. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. But you do have to see it from their point of view. You know, they've been here for so much. All of a sudden, I'm here, and all of a sudden now you have to knock. That was. That was hard, wasn't it? It mm. took quite a while. Julian didn't understand it at the beginning, but 
we got there and he understands the boundaries now. It's sort of, we had to try and explain that it has to go back to when Rebecca was here. When Rebecca was here, would everyone just walk in? They wouldn't. We have to respect the boundaries of our family now. But that's it. I think there's always that moment initially where maybe people do feel, you know, either upset or or there's a confusion or lack of understanding. But once I think you've established those boundaries, there is peace down the line and there is you know, a lot of understanding and just then communication keeps flowing. And it's so important, especially in complex situations like blended families or whatever terminology you want to use around it. It it has to be about communication. So everything has that fluidity and, and works. And it is perhaps like an un-British thing to do, but we've got to get better at doing that. Um, how has it felt, Rio, watching Kate take on that role and seeing the pressure she's under, but seeing her thrive and and bring up your children yeah it, make, it makes me proud I've, I've got to be honest um I'm smiling now but it does it makes me proud sometimes I just sit there and just look at her if she's stroking one of the kids hair or she's helping with their homework just little things like that where you just feel that I, could, I never saw this these these moments coming um I just saw it was going to be just us for because I didn't see myself opening up to anybody to allow them to come in and to play that role and that happened and then she's just gone on with it and just run with it and again I couldn't ask for anybody more complete in that sense um than Kate in in what she does with the kids and taking on that role the responsibility having the maturity to to take that on and then to actually really roll up her sleeves and battle through and the way she's done it has been been amazing I can't fault her I couldn't ask her to do it any any better than she has Mm. I mean, you are absolutely smashing it, obviously. It's like, <laughs> just, even watching the documentary, you know. Didn't I'm, even I'm, get a thanks. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. I can't have met you for the first time today, but watching the documentary, you just got a sense of, oh my God, like you are a powerhouse. Like, it's amazing what you've come into and, and, and how you've just run with it. It's amazing. It really is. And I guess, you know, as, as a parent and as someone that has stepped into that, you don't stop to give yourself um, appreciation because so often, you know, I know how it feels. You beat yourself up. I didn't do that right. I shouldn't have done this. You don't give yourself the time to go, wow, I'm doing it. I've started doing that recently, haven't I? Before I used to beat myself up all the time, but now I sit back and I go, I done quite well there. Yeah, you should. (laughs) That's a new thing that I'm starting to do because you need to realise I've come pretty far. And I need to sit back sometimes and think, do you know what? I am doing a good job. So every now and then I just look at Rio and said, we're doing a good job. We're okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels good to say that. Absolutely. We don't important. always need compliments from everyone else. I think sometimes it's good to tell yourself that. You look at the kids and you go, are they happy? Are they confident? Are they out there doing what they want to do and, and enjoying themselves? Yes, they are. And do they feel like they're, 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 they're being loved and giving love back? And if they're ticking all them boxes, then you can sit there and you can actually ching a glass together and say, yeah, we are doing the right thing on the right path. I think it's a, you know, it also, like, by doing the documentary, offers so much support for other people who have been through a similar thing um, in any of the roles that play out in a family because there'll be people out there who will be going through grief or will be entering a new family and they'll wonder if there is ever going to be any happiness, because at times the heaviness is so, so much to cope with. Um, and I think it's a wonderful thing for people to see that it's an option. It's a, it, it can happen. How did you find, 
I don't know if this, these are the right words to use, but how did you kind of allow yourself to find happiness again? Because I've, I've not been through grief on this level, but I'm sure there's a moment where you, you think you don't deserve happiness again or that it might not happen. How do you take those first steps to knowing that it is a possibility? At first, you're just like, it's, it can't happen. And then you think like, if I was to take those steps, there's, you feel guilty for that person maybe as well that, that's not here. Um do they do people would they accept it? You start thinking about everything else, everyone else but you and your kids, and that's a big problem for a lot of people who could never get over that hurdle sometimes, and you've got to be able to just see past that and again, I wasn't looking for a relationship because I'd already kind of I was, I was like i'm not going to go go I don't want to do that because of the kids I want to protect the kids, and I was lucky to meet Kate, and then you just say to yourself, okay. This is me. I'm just going to go with it and go with my feelings and go with my heart. And you've got to have the ability to kind of, as hard as it is, is to shut out all the noise outside and just take care of you and your family and your unit that you're going to create with that new person. And it's it's difficult. It's not easy. But you've got to talk. You've, again, we keep going back to the word communication. Mm. You've got to communicate with people to to make strides forward and. Yeah, I'm not saying it's an easy road. I, I sat and spoke with Darren Clark on the previous documentary and he sat there and said to me, Rio, I'm the happiest I've ever been. You can get to that as well. And I, I, I drove home that day from Ireland, or flew back from Ireland that day and I was sitting there thinking, he is a lunatic. How is he thinking that? How how can he be? He's not right. He did. He couldn't have loved her. These are the things that people probably say to me. He couldn't love these missus the way he says he did. But I'm sitting here now living proof again that the happiest I've ever been in my life. Mm. So it does happen, but it is a long, it is a hard road. I'm not saying it's easy, it's going to happen overnight. There's baby steps and then you just go on from there and you just jump in hurdles as and when they come in, in your way. Mm. Well, I think it's so important that you've both been so massively honest about this subject matter and what you've been through and to keep the conversation rolling about you know, families and how complex and wonderful and weird and beautiful they are and and you've created something so special with your family and um thank you so much for letting me dig a bit deeper and talk to you today and and just so much love and luck for for the rest of your amazing adventure in this family thank you, thank you much. so much you coming around. <laughs> <laughs> want lunch <laughs> yeah <laughs> Thank you, Kate, and thank you, Rio. What a dream team. Thanks for letting me in your beautiful house and for letting me snuggle and nearly steal your gorgeous dog, Ronnie. Now, you can check out their documentary on the BBC iPlayer. It's called Rio and Kate, Becoming a Step Family. Don't forget, you can discover our massive archive of shows, dozens of hours of inspiring chat when you subscribe. You can do that for free via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your smart speaker of choice. And to find out who's on next week's show, find us on Instagram at Happy Place Official. Massive thanks again to Rio and Kate, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you lovely lot for listening. Thank you so much, and I will see you on Monday.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.